0: salutations greetings and welcome to it this is when Highbury was home a loud booth podcast presentation <laughs> i am your host true story happy new year to you all happy new year to the arsenal fan base happy new year to the arsenal team happy new year to all football fans you know who subscribe and listen to our show and yeah man you know we made it through one of one of the more trying years we've had as a society and as a civilization in recent memory, so it's credit to us, you know, so I spark one up for us, you know, I spark one up for y'all. Shout out, man. And one of the other reasons why we sparked one up at the start of the show is because Arsenal have come into it on some, yeah, new Arsenal, who this? New year, who you talking to? Shh. The goon is coming through, yeah, bro. Like real talk, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful start to the season, uh, to the year for us, rather. It feels like a start to a new season, no cap. If <laughs> we just ash my plan. we'll take a little smoke break throughout the show when we need to <laughs> smoke break. So real talk, man. Like, I felt for me as an Arsenal fan, as a real Goonie, it would be unfair and a disservice to come into the show and just talk about the last two games or one or two games, you know. But to literally say, okay, since we've been gone you know, four games, you know, plus the preview of today. It's a nice fiver to take, you know, give them a little five takeaways from each of them games and then let's build up into the Newcastle game, you know. So that's the structure we're running with today. As always, Loud Booth Podcast presentations out here, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) True story, your host. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Like we were saying, man. So our takeaways from them games, you know, knowing that okay, cool, coming into it right before Christmas, we came up against Shite in the EFL Cup, and it was one of those games where, yeah, man, we got we got we got a lesson, you know, saying learned it to us, you know, <laughs> we got a lesson learned it to us, realizing that we don't have the depth that we need to succeed, you know, on all on all fronts this this, this season, not only this season but going forward we're gonna to have to strengthen our debt because again, City you're making changes, I understand, but you draw City cool get the result, you know, and we don't have the mandam to get the result and still prioritize other games, so I can understand why Mikel made changes, but to see no fight from the mandam that was disheartening and hard to take, because you're realizing that this is Arsenal Football Club at the end of the day, right? <laughs> like like Rocky Roll Castle say, remember who you are, what you want, who you represent, like, we are a major European football club, a world institution, and we got to carry ourselves like that, you know. For Mikel not to have a plan B in a fixture like that was also toughies, you know what I'm saying, with the shoelaces tied bro, because it's like, come on Miguel like cool, you you have an idea of maybe you're going to hit them on the break, it doesn't work, we're 2-0 down, do you have an idea of how to take it to them, you know what I'm saying well, it was a 2-1 down at the time, but take it to them and go get the goal that could get us back in the game played off the park you know and it was one of those things was that like, okay tactical lesson for Miguel from from Pep they saying you know Pep is a pretty dope coach and Miguel learned a, a lot while he was there but I think he's learning a lot from playing against him as well right as a manager so it's it's one of those things where we had to take that on the chin knowing that Miguel's trust in youth or lack of trust in youth in that game was was one of the things that I took away from and saying that's what's going to let you down if you don't change it and that would immediately lead us to the Chelsea game where Boxing Day clashed against the Blues. And it's like, we're not trying to have the Blues. We had a couple of injuries, COVID and otherwise induced. And Miguel came into the game and said, you know what, instead of resting on our laurels and say, let's just try park the bus or anything, let's play positive on the front foot and let's play some of these young mandem there, right? And they played well for Miguel, bro. And it was so beautiful to watch, bro. It was so beautiful to watch Miguel start with the four-two-three-one like he did, even without Gabby Partey and P. America Boomer Young. And he's still like saying, I'm playing front foot football. I fucked with that big time, bro. He started Emil Smith, Rowe, Bukayo and Gabby Martinelli, which again for me was a tactical masterstroke because it's like, trust the youth, bro, and they'll reward you, bro. Real talk. And they did that right there, bro. And we outplayed Chelsea from start to finish, and that was so beautiful to see. Cause like, when us to be able to, when we else we able to say that about our football club that we outplayed a team that has actually tormented us for so long, bro. So like, kudos to Mikel, kudos to us, kudos to players, bro. Like across the board, we fucks with that because having taken a, a tactical lesson from from Beb Guardiola, he came on and put on a tactical masterclass for, for Frank Lampard right there. And uh, yes, we'll argue Frank is not the greatest fucking tactical mastermind in the world, but yo, you beat what is in front of you and Miguel did right that. You know, he did that right there. And it was good to see because the team began to show fight again. And that fight is going to be sustainable if you continue to play some of these mandam there, and you continue to maybe invest in the squad like you're looking to do in this January window. maybe even to flow some of the people we're looking to talk about later in the show, right? Across the board, we can actually be in a position that we can finish the season on a good note, like we finished last year on a good note in that sense, right? So going into the new year, we came into it against Brighton away, and it was one of those games where you're thinking, ah, sheesh, bro, Brighton away. As I'm watching the game, I'm like, yeah, it is one of those games where, bro, either we're going to lose it or for some bullshit, it's going to be a draw where we should have won the game or we're going to win it and it's going to be a turning point for us in that sense. Knowing Chelsea was a turning point, but we've had four stars. We beat Man United, we thought that was a turning point, right? So the turning point is when you beat a team that maybe you shouldn't have beaten in that sense and then you go beat a team you're supposed to beat and then continue that winning run. And we did that against Brighton, bro. We snuck it, Laka coming off the bench, you know, amazing goal for me, man. Like, continuity in that because same team selection minus Laka being on the bench, that was nice to see the manager say, so, okay, fine, yes, Laka, you're scoring goals, but i'll bring big man back and then let's see what we do with that okay cool take a chance they're brave in the sense that we were creating chances not putting them away and it looked like okay we might be smacked on the counter he makes a change and brings on Laka. like okay that's a positive change i like that right there and it's like okay Laka like score for mandem there the Mandem look like they're reacting for the manager it means that Gaffer's got the dressing room back that all that talk of turmoil and and this and dis disruption in the dressing room that ain't there there you know what I'm saying? And we're going to be taking out some of the men who may be bad apples. We'll be all right then. You know what I'm saying? Because two wins on the bounce, that's an amazing thing for us right there. When last could we say, like, two wins on the bounce for the Goonies, dog? That's dope, bro. We need a sustain shit like that right there, bro. Because the clean sheet, come on, bro. Like, them taste good, bro. Like, to see our goalkeeper go home and it's like, dog, you put in work and man, them didn't score against you. Our defense can put their heads up and be like, man, them you know, accountable because they talk shit about our defense. I like to see our defense put in good performances and taking that form forward into the next game. So that was two wins on the bounce. Can we make a three was the question, right? We come against the West Brom team where it's like, damn, they just taken a loss. You know what I'm saying? A big loss where they got a gaffer who no mandem don't like us. We don't like mandem neither, you know what I'm saying? So mandem don't say his name. Yeah, we come back up against his team and we like, yo, we'll put up a performance. And manager... Our gaffer puts continuity there and says, you know what? Laka in for Martinelli. Let's shuffle it up a bit. Nelly, we can't play you too many games in a row. We'll keep you on the squad. Um, brave tactical outlook, I thought, for me. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of the change of lucky in for Nelly, I thought that was extremely brave, right? To even do that in the first place, knowing how we, the fans, would react. The players seemed up for it. You know what I'm saying? They seemed up for it the same way I thought they were up for it against Chelsea. In the second half of Brighton, they seemed way up for it. And they continued that into the West Brom game. And I was like, okay, Cool. I like that right there because then when the players are performing well and the manager's protecting the players and backing the players, there's nothing you can ask more from Mandam. They will get performances. Bellerin went all in in that game where it seems like he's heard some of the criticism we've been throwing at him. He was so all in that he was putting in a couple of tackles gets that early yellow, manager protects him. Instead of leaving him out there to be like, yo, bro, play with your professionalism and experience knowing that Hector don't got that shit like that, dad, bro. That was good to see from the gaffer because like knowing your personality we talk about knowing your personality as it pertains to opposition, but it's very big of knowing your personality as it pertains to the gaffer too, right? You got to know who you're dealing with so you can protect them from themselves sometimes, right? And at least the best version of them as well. So that was dope to see from gaffer right there. In the same breath of bringing out the best in there, Emile Smith-Rowe, man, the trust the manager put in him and the performance to give a thank you to the manager in, in the way he performed, that was like, bro, poetic justice, bro. Because knowing that, you know, they're talking about, oh, he models his game around Mizu Uza, you can see in the movement and the likes yet, he's his own player, bro, and he's a very special player. And I love to see him play in the number 10 position for us going forward because he's one of our own, you know, London Connolly boy. And he's like a super talent, bro, because seeing him in that number 10 position made me realize he's our number 10, you know. Suckers are talisman out right. Martinelli out left, that is our breakout superstar that we don't know what the fuck he's gonna become that kid we don't know he doesn't even know what the fuck he may be and I like that right there because he can be all he may be he's just trying to be the best he can be at the end of the day right we have something within that trio bro add a striker that is young and can go with them. Balugan if he signs and KTF he improves and kicks on fuck around bro we got a squad bro we got a squad that can go far because like there's a lot there in that, you know, so to to beat West Brom 4 like we did, amazing goal from Kieran Tierney, that soccer goal, what a fucking work of art, bro, we talk about Wenger Ball, Arteta Ball, Arsenal Ball, bro, that was foot fucking ball, bro, like DT said, bro, put that shit on Pornhub, bro, that was sexy fucking football, that's the type of football we come to see as Arsenal fans, you know what I'm saying, pun fucking intended, like that's what we come to see as Arsenal football fans, like that was glorious, so it's like, shout out to squad them there, bro, and, we pray we carry that type of performance into Newcastle because we really need to continue winning and, in a sense, winning the FA Cup and winning the Europa League. Those are big things on our list. Like, yes, finishing as high as we can in the league, great, but we can't guarantee, in a sense, how that's going to go. We can guarantee that we'll end up in Europe if we win the FA Cup or the Europa League. So let's go do that, you know what I'm saying? And then when we finish in the league, that's also a bonus. Shout out, you know what I'm saying? So coming into this game, you know, Saturday... Uh, The 9th, you know, depending on what time you listen to it, that's tomorrow (laughs) or today, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, 7.30 Central African time. Um, Coming into, we talk about, like, league form sometimes, you know, I don't really like to consider league form going into a cup game, but, you know, Arsenal have taken 10 points out of a possible 18 of their last six games, right? It's pretty dope-ish, knowing three wins on the bounce, who had the two losses and the draw before that. Not bad, knowing that, you know, Newcastle are coming in with only two points from a possible 18, Last draws, you know, trip losses, draw loss. Yeah, like it's it's a bit tough for them right now. So they may need the reprieve of a game like this, knowing that second string team, second string team players are gonna be playing, you know, second string players gonna be playing. They may wanna put in a performance to say, you know what, put us in contention for the first team. So it's one of those games where it's often tough, you know, especially if your players don't turn up for it like that. So our mind them need to turn up for it. And across the board, I mean, if we're talking about FA Cup form, if you want to talk FA Cup form, I mean, we've won six in a row, defending champions. Shout out to us. Unfortunately, the last time we were knocked out in this competition was as defending champions, so we watch out for that. Um, FA Cup form for Newcastle—they got knocked out last season, so it's like, I mean, yeah, coming into it, we are the form side, and we should be winning this game, right? So. In total, we've won four of our last five games against Newcastle in the FA, FA Cup for what it's worth. You know, we the form team, yet, yet again, like we say, we should carry that momentum forward, you know, because it's like in the last three FA Cup away games against us, Newcastle have lost each game 3 fucking nil. dating back from, what, 1936, 2002, and 2008. So anytime they come away to us in the FA Cup, they get smacked 3 nil. So I'm thinking, bro, you away? It's the FA Cup? We should get these threes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Real talk. So it's like like we talked about earlier. We've only been eliminated as defending champions. So, yes, we've got to be a bit cautious of that. You know, the only time we've been eliminated in the past, what, 24 seasons was as defending champions in 2017-18, you know. So we've got to guard for that, you know, because we lost to a Nottingham Forest side that we had no business losing to. And handling business and beating them, like we should have, you know, that would have been great for us. Now we got a chance to beat Newcastle as defending champions and be one of the few teams that can go back and say, we won the FA Cup back to back, you know. So let's go do that and handle that business, you know, because Newcastle has lost 10 of their last 11 FA Cup ties against fellow Premier League opposition. You know, the only team they've beaten in the Premier League is Blackburn. You know, they beat them 2-1 just the only thing they beat them in january of 2012 so we just gotta watch for that right there you know we in january 2021 we've seen a lot of crazy shit happening so we gotta stay on our toes that's it man so team news coming into the game thomas Partey is back in training along with gabriel thomas Partey had a thigh issue and he's back gabby had the covid issue and he's back you know so that's just great to see across the board um for us i mean they can say we struggled to score in the last, you know, in the last couple of games in the league. You know, only scored twenty goals in our start. But Newcastle also struggled to score, only eighteen in theirs. But they're conceding a lot of goals in the league as well. You know, so what is it? Twenty six goals conceded in like sixteen games. You know, so it's like we 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 in a good position. I think we've conceded what nineteen in our seventeen games. So it's like we're not we're not we're not that much better off. But it's like fuck it, bro. We have a chance of getting at these lot, and I pray we do something like that in a game like this, because. We need this result, bro. We need to win this FA Cup because for us as a football club, bro, getting into Europe that has to be, that has to be that had to be the prerequisite coming into the season. Like we just had to get back into Europe first and foremost, finishing as high as possible in the league. That's great. Getting some silverware even better. We've got a chance to at least knock two of those things out by winning the Europa League or the FA Cup. We have a chance to win the FA Cup right now. At the very least, knock out a team that you know, we could get into the next round and see what we can get there. You know, we're knocking out a Premier League team. More often than not, sometimes you don't need to get two Premier League teams on the bounce unless it's just not your rub of the draw, right? So we're praying for one of those where we can knock out Newcastle, get a, a championship team, knock them out, and be looking at ourselves at the quarterfinal stage not soon, often enough, you know. So... Yeah, man. I'll predict a lineup for this game, like we said earlier. The conversation of thinking um, playing some young players would be great, yet yeah, that's the type of competition we need to win. So we're going to have to go with senior players in certain positions, not all positions, because we do need to shuffle the pack a little bit and just rest some mind we've had a good run of form. You don't want to risk injuries and fuck up continuity that way, right? So I saw I thought Gonko get promoted to the squad and start training, I guess in lure of Matt Macy leaving to Hibs and the fact that Runa Runison is not ready to play right now. So it's nice to see I thought Gonko. Get promoted to train with the first team. I'd not, I'd, I would have liked to see him get a game like this because I believe in his talent that much. Yet, I don't want to put a kid in a situation like that. That, you know, it would have been nice to see him playing the Europa League games that Runison did get. But, hey, man, water under the bridge. So, right now, probably put him on the bench and have Leno starting knowing you need your number one in a game like this, right, so that it falls down to that where you've made changes, but at the very least, whoever's starting can look behind them and say, you know what, we've got the best goalkeeper in the club playing, you know, so fuck it, let's give it our all, you know, so you need them type of man them out there. Um, We're going with the four-two-three-one because you're playing Miguel, does that continuity vibes because we're all about that right now, bro. It's working well for us. At right wing back, I'm thinking Cedric Suarez does well when he plays there, it's, it's, a, it's a six or a seven, you know, solid minutes for us because we're going to need Ainsley to come in on the left side because I would have loved to play Joao Lopez, you know, a young player who I'm big on. But pause. But I'm thinking, you know, it's a type of game that, yeah, you need need your first-team players or you need players who are more experienced for these type of occasions, right? You're playing against a Premier League team where one moment, one slip-up could cost you the game. You don't want to do that to a young player, right? So you avoid that, especially if it means, you know protecting young players that haven't had that exposure and then playing the ones who have had that exposure so you can actually grade them according to what you've seen before right and that's what I think we'll do going forward saying you know what if we have Suarez at right wing back at right back rather Ainsley Mettner at left back then go with Luis and Marie you know saying rest Rob Holding Paulo Marie has played a couple games but he probably won't play down the line looking at maybe two three games from now because you know Gabriel will be back. You know, we talk about Gabriel Magalhas, So it's like, OK, cool. Then let Marie finish his run of games. And then he's on the bench knowing I've got good credit in my pocket as well. Luis can start to play himself in contention. That continuity in in both being able to relate to each other, speak Portuguese, speak English, relate to everybody else in the back line. Tactically, they're solid when it comes to that. Can both play the football very well. I think it will put us in a good position in a game where we'll have a lot of the ball, right? In midfield, I'm thinking more... El nenny next to Willock because I want to free Joe Willock up to do a little bit more running in a game like this because he's that type of guy for us, bro. Where it's like Joe Willock free to do what Joe Willock do, bro. We could be unlocking another partner in that midfield next to Emile Smith Rowe. And now we know Partey, Willick, Emile Smith Rowe, that's our midfield. They wouldn't even have to go in the transfer window like we're going to talk about later. We actually have our team in house, like we're saying. The solutions are often in house for Miguel right now. There's some tweaks you're going to have to do in the transfer window, yes, but in house you have a lot of solutions. Start exploring those. So Joe Willick, we think one of those games where he can break out, Emile Smith Rowe in the 10. I feel it's a type of game where you rest Bukaya cycle as well, bring Nicola Pepe back in as well, because it's one of things where he's in our squad he's our guy you can't sit in a situation where we've paid 72 million for a guy and we're not gonna play him because we we, we've banked on bukayo saka now we gotta we gotta we gotta sit and look at it for what it's worth like we have two pretty great players for one position that's what a world-class team should have you know, so let's take advantage of that right there and play Pepe in a game like this. and so we can sit Bukaya out, and Pepe is now under pressure to give us a world-class performance because he ain't been playing for a couple games, right? On the left side, I'm thinking Gabriel Martinelli's in a similar situation-ish where. Laka's finding form, so America P.A.M.R.K.A. can't be playing down the middle as much no more like we wanted him to do. So he's probably going to go back to the left side, which means that he and Martinelli or Nelson are now fighting for position down that side, right? We're not really considering William in that position. So it's, okay, Nelly needs a game like this where he can prove himself as well, right? Um... Down the middle, I would have loved to see Balugan start, but with the contract situation being what it is, this is a Mikel statement game where if he's saying, I want the player to start and I like the player, and the issue is the agent, then start the player in a game like this and say to him, Yo, we bank you and we back you, you know what I'm saying? Give us a performance that justifies whatever you're asking for in contract negotiations. Then we can have a conversation after this, whatever your agent may be saying. And I think it's worthwhile pursuing for Miguel saying, you know, Adi is a good striker. I love and I call me great striker, bro. But I think Balugan has a little bit more about him that would actually unlock this Arsenal football club going forward. And starting him ahead of Aiden K could also be a statement to Eddie, like, yeah, you've been given good performances, but we need you to work on that final part of your game, i.e. scoring goals consistently. Balugan does that. We'll give him and ascendancy in the picking order because right now we have Laka as our main striker. If something changes from there, we can have a conversation, right, between the two of y'all. So it's the type of game I'm thinking for me, I have Balugan starting, but Eddie's probably going to get the nod if Mikel is really as disheartened as he felt about the Balugan situation, rather as he sounded about the Balugan situation in the press conference that he did yesterday because, like, you can see he's a manager who's saying, like, we're literally at our wits end now. We want to do business, but Mandem is not trying to do business, i.e. the agent, but the player want to stay what the fuck should we do? And I get that, you know, so it's what it is. On the bench, I think we probably have nine on the bench again, COVID rules, so we have Okonko in goals on the bench, Hector Bellerin, um, Gabby coming back, Miguel if he's not available, then you have Rob Holding. Um, Miguel Aziz, Lord willing, maybe getting a look in as well, you know, in that conversation, just be backing up in those positions, get those minutes once we up big, you know. Uh, Karen Tierney or Joao Lopez at, at left back, um... Elneny is on the bench, so we're thinking rather you go in with a, what, Xhaka. I'm not a big fan, but I mean, that's what it is right now. If he's in the squad, then he's going to be in the squad. Bukayo Saka on the bench with Uber and Lacazette just in case shit happens, you know. That's what we call insurance, just in case shit happens. So <laughs> I think that's a pretty strong squad, you know, going into a game where you've made some changes in key positions, that you've given players a chance to prove themselves, and Lord willing, they reward you, you know, so... I'm predicting a 5-0 Arsenal win. I know the, 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 the form guide says we beat them 3-0 every time they come away. I think we're going to start to change that a bit and start to ascend, you know, assert our dominance on them. Let's go for a 5-0 win. You know, knowing we've got Palace, you know, on Thursday the 14th and their 14th, it'll be nice to smack them and go on, what was it, our fourth league win now? Yeah, man, that, that's good for us, you know. So, yeah, that was, that was my look into what I thought, you know, okay, preview the game, but it's January. <laughs> you know and shout out to dan robbie i see he does all the specials like transfer and whatnot like splitting everything up for me is one of the things we will do an actual transfer show but a couple notes of what's going off off field notes as we'll call it as a segment we'll do on the podcast running now it's like five takeaways from shit that's happened off field as it pertains to the football club you know a post part team talk per se you know (laughs) so um Transfer wise, Omar Reckick was confirmed signing, you know. He's been rumored to have signed since back end of last year. He was seen in training this past week. He's been in England for three weeks, quarantining. So it's been an open an open thing, you know, not 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 a secret much that Omar Reckick is gonna be an Arsenal player. Good young player, you know, nineteen years old coming out of Hertha Berlin, you know, centre back, ball playing, central defender, plays more on the left side, you know. 500k to get him from Hertha Berlin. He wanted to leave since his brother um, Kareem had left to Seville, and he'd been following Kareem around more often than not in his young career as well. I mean, he's been to, what, five clubs in his youth career. He's played for Feyenoord, played for Man City, played for PSV, played for Marseille. Then went to Hertha Berlin and now he's coming of age, you know. Highly touted young prospect. So it was a good good signing, I feel, for Arsenal knowing what we're going through with the Saliba situation at right centre-back. And so, okay, let's strengthen the left centre-back position knowing we've got Gabriel Magalas there, Maurice there's a stop gap replacement right now and he's doing pretty well for us. Okay, all my record could be something for us, you know, in that backup position there. We're even playing on the on the right side down the, the you know, down down the line, you know. So it's it's a good signing I thought across the board. No, you only pay five hundred K, you know, so it's a it's a pretty good pickup for us. Then the following Balogun contract situation came to a boil, I guess, this week when they've offered him a contract it's in january he can start to negotiate a pre-contract with any other football club if his agent wasn't already doing that before which may be a breach of rules but i mean if i could agents do that all the time Um, now you're looking at a situation where if the player hasn't signed and he's open to sign a pre-contract with another club of his choosing then we're looking at a situation where he's probably going to leave if he's not signed yet and now the issue is the player wants to stay the club wants to keep him but the agent wants to maybe pursue a move elsewhere because he can get paid more money i.e. signing bonus or whatever the case may be especially knowing if he leaves on the free then the whole signing bonus comes to him and you know there's no percentages paid to anybody else in that sense so it just seems like cheeky fucking business going on across the board especially a team that we've the, the, his agency, we've done business in before, you know. Where Bukayo Saka signed there, we did business with them, you know. Alexis Sanchez signed there, we did business with each other. Release him to go to Man United. So it's like, why can't we? Why can't we get this done? And for me, gotta speak out on it and, and specifically talk about the agent, not necessarily the agency, I guess, but the agents representing, you know, Florian in this situation. Yeah, man, that speaks volumes of what's really going on, you know, behind the scenes that we don't, part of me always see, you know. So it's like, fuck it. A 19-year-old striker that was given his first-team debut and scored his first goal in the season, you know, and we're talking about a clear path to the first team. Sometimes some of these kids saying, you know, I'll only re-sign with you if I have a clear path to the first team. We heard that type of talk with a Jaden Sancho. You can understand it in Sancho's case where it's like you have world-class players who are at their peak or entering their peak ahead of you. Bro, you have Andre Lacazette at 30. Pierre-America Bumayang at 31. Then it's you and Aiden Ketia. Are you trying to just walk into a squad or what, bro? Nah, that's not it, bro. So I feel for a kid like Follerim Balugan, as talented as he is, you could go somewhere like Germany and get starting minutes, regular minutes. And we've seen it for some kids, you know, where you can luck out and get to a Dortmund and you can become a superstar there. But if you don't get that type of move, then it's going to be tough for Follerim Balugan, you know. So I'm thinking, bro, don't do yourself a disservice. Rather do it NBA-style, you know, American kid. Sign a three year contract with Arsenal, if next year you're not getting that quote unquote clear path into the team, say sell me or I'm going on strike type shit, Downing Tools, then at the end of the day, these still like these can get something for you and you have tried this thing out and seen it through in your young career as well. Because I don't know, I don't I don't see what you gain from moving right now if you're saying clear path to first in football. You've got that, bro. Like you yeah, understand Arsenal offered you a deal last season, you weren't happy with it you re you rebutted they walked away from the table saying we'll come back at another time that's just their current negotiating standard you know I don't back it they've done it before as well with other players in the past I don't really back that because I think it's foolish because if you back out rather in that moment okay we're not coming back to the table with you we're going to sell you and get whatever we get for you to keep you on the books and not get nothing from you and then you potentially walk away for free that's just bad business so I see it from that sense but I mean fuck it They've offered you a deal. If you don't like the terms, then rebut with the terms that you do like and see what deal you can work out. Otherwise, bro, let it be known that you want out and then let them be able to get maybe a compensation fee for you at the very least. And let's let's put an end to that chapter. We've seen it happen where good young players leave us. Some of them go become superstars. Some of them maybe don't pan out. That's what it is. We learn to live with it, right? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day rather, we're doing our job as a football club, which is developing young men into... Developing young players into good young men, right? Good young players into great young men, and that's the model, and that's what we're gonna keep doing across the board. So, yeah, shout out to that, bro. Um, we pray you get the contract sorted out, but it's what it is. Uh, Mizut Uzal is somebody who's been in and out of the rumors for all the reasons. <sighs> it's one of those things where we decided not to talk about it on this platform because it's like, it's what's the point? You know, it was one of those things where it didn't seem like it had a finite end, other than him leaving the club or them decided to play him. Now we've reached that point in January where one of those can possibly happen right now. Okay, there's been talks about a Chad move. You know, the player's been reported to want to stay, but his agent wants him to move and the club wants him to move. So it's a bit of an inverse of the Balogun situation where the player wants to stay because he knows my wages here are guaranteed and I'm living life flush, right? The agent says, if you move right now, I can get me a little signing bonus and that's nice for me. And you're in a different environment, maybe some more marketability money, whatever the case may be. The club gets to get the wages off the books, so it's one of those things that's going to have to play out. The club gave him a little bit of time in the past couple of days to sort out the business if he could. It seemed like it hasn't worked out because he's back in training. But it's one of those where there's interest, you know, for Nabashi, Besiktas, DC United, interest in the Middle East. And then the failsafe is if he does stay at Arsenal, then we have to register him so that we can at least play him because we can't have him being the best fucking tweeter in the club because he's got a better social media than our fucking actual club's handles. <laughs> and if he's at least debatably the number one number two number ten in the club let him be registered to play especially if we're not going to be able to go get a Hussein Mawar or an Emi Buendia right or fucking Isco for that matter and I don't know the toss up between Isco and Masood. will deal with that later but you'd rather re-register Massoud and keep him for six months and pay a loan fee and Isco's wages and possibly still play Masood as well I don't think we're going to be putting a 120 million fucking loan from the Bank of England to that right there so nah if I'm there's been rumors of a player exodus from the club, right? And now we're starting to see a couple players leave. It's been good because at the very least, let's get the wage bill. I won't say under control because I don't think we spend enough on wages anyway, but we misspend on the little wages that we do spend on in relativity to the other bigger teams. So it's one of those things we need to get some of these bad contracts, I feel, another basketball term, <laughs> off the books. You know, because we're, at a, we're at a couple of bad contracts. Like, I mean, what's Sokratz is doing earning what he's earning on the club, but he's not going to give us anything. said Kolasnyak, Mizut Ozil, you know. With players out on loan, that you're like, hey, bro, like, Kellen Chambers, what are we doing with that right there? And all of that could be amalgamated into a superstar player or at the very least giving an extra 30K per week to follow Mbaluka and convincing him to stay that way, right? So come on, bro, like, this is, there could be better business in the club across the board. So Ser Kalasniak has gone back to Schalke where he came from us, where he came to us from. He's gone there on loan, yet his deal expires in July as in his actual Arsenal contract. So it basically seems it's a pre-signing for a signing. He's probably going to go back to Schalke. Hey, man, the wages off the books, man. Godspeed to say it, man. I pray you you enjoy. I mean, I, I enjoyed him being at the club early on. He brought a certain physicality and a presence to the club. And then after a while, his lack of a defending or his defensive now is really did hamper us and... Now it is what it is, you know, so thank for the service. You know, we can't be ungrateful for the service. Thank you for the service. We wish you all the well, wish you well and all the best to Schalke. Pardon me. And then we have William Saliba going on loan to Nantes in France. So it's one of those things where he was supposed to go sit to Sanatien at the end of the transfer window. What is the start of the season? It didn't happen. Now we're getting a chance to loan him out to Nantes. He's already made his debut, The lost 2-0, but I mean, to see him actually start and play football, that's brilliant for him, that's brilliant for Arsenal. I pray it's also good for Nantes, where they get a good young centre-back that can be there for the next six months, and then he comes back to Arsenal, a better player across the board, you know. Matt Macy has gone to Hibs on what is basically a six-month free loan. I don't know, Arsenal has basically cancelled his contract, allowing him to join Hibs on a six-month contract, and it's in a sense a loan, but yeah, we've given him to Hibbs for six months and then he's free to negotiate with whoever he wants to negotiate with at the start of next season. So I think that's a dope move. It's the type of move we should probably pursue for a couple of players in my book, right? Um, so Krati's probably being one of those where there's an offer from Genoa where he's a former Genoa player. They want him back and they've even offered him the captaincy. So if it means paying off his contract or agreeing a compensation fee where it's like whatever Genoa we're going to give us in transfer fee, if they say 500K, we will match that with a mil point five, and that two mil goes to Socrates, and then he takes that and then goes to Genoa for free. Something like that, you know, I don't know. I'm just being creative and saying, find a way to work it out and get that deal done if the team wants him, you know. Genoa also rumored to be interested in and... What fucking man like Mustafi. <laughs> Sick, scrot down Mustafi. And it's one of those deals again where if we can get that done, let's get it done. There was rumors of Inter, there's rumors of Barcelona. I don't know what his agent is doing to finesse these deals, but let's try to get these deals done. If there's rumors, bro, with his, with his fucking smoke, there's fire, bro. Let's get these deals done, bro. Real talk. Callum Chambers, there's rumors of a loan for him. It will be nice to see maybe... Uh, a full-on fee where if you're interested in Emi Buendia, I'm not in law of a Joe Willick, reese nelson exchange unless that's a loan move. If we're loaning Reese Nelson and Joe Willick for six months to know to which until they get promoted and then they're giving us Emi Buendia and we're paying a little bit less and then next year we're promising to give them one or two of our academy kids that would need first-team football, i.e. your Mari Hutchinson and the likes, that would be a fair deal. But to give them Joe Willick and Reese Nelson, I don't care how good you think Emi Buendia is, I put my money on Emil Smith role then. I'm not doing that But it's to lose two young players to get one young player back who's 24 and proven in the championship, played in the Premier League last season, played pretty well, but the numbers weren't there. And you, you you signing him for the numbers, you see, it creates how many chances in the championship. That's the championship, bro. It's more open, understand. If we're playing more open, it'll be great for him. But hey, man, I'm not playing that, dog. Like, get, get, keep my young... Don't lose my young players to so go get me more players. Nah, I'm not playing that game, bro. Rather sell some of these fucking Deadwood mandem there. Like... No disrespect, dog. Like, real talk, fam. Like, we're not playing that game. So, Hector Bellerin is one of the Them. I'm not calling you a Deadwood Them, bro. But it's like, dog, I think your time with this club has come to an end. Like, a couple Them. Like, Malacca's been scoring recently, but I'll stick to that because I've said it. I think his time with the club has come to an end. It'll be nice to cash in on him right now when he's scoring goals, too. Different conversation that we'll do in the special, right? So, Hector, there's been talk of PSG, Juve. Let's get that deal done if possible. You know, Jacques is a mandem there who I think we should move on from if there's anybody interested, you know what I'm saying? Especially right now when he's actually playing pretty well. So there's room for that player exodus to actually bringing some capital for us to be able to reinvest in mandem like an Emmy Buendia or even go big, right? Because we've got a $120 million cash COVID loan from the Bank of England. That's meant to be able to service, you know, the losses from the season. But to be able to spend a little bit of that on transfers would be dope. You know, man like Emil Buendee has been mentioned. If we're spending on him, 24-year-old Argentine from Norwich, playmaker, you know, it's a cheaper alternative to getting Hussein Moir in from Lyon or Jack Grealish in, right? I would prefer that than... Getting East Because if you're getting East Coast, I'd rather keep Emile Smithrow and keep even fucking Mr. Uzel over East Coast right now. The ideals like a Dynamic Sports like who I think is a bit cheaper, if we can sell a couple of players and free up some assets, Dynamic Sports like. Do a deal with Salzburg or, and Leipzig saying, rather we loan you them players. Not the m one deer deal, but that type of deal where Joe Willock, Reese Nelson, pick one, two young players from the under-18s. The under they come to you on loan for a season, a season and a half. And then we get, you know, Dynamic Sports Live right now. And we'll pay that $20 million release clause as well, right? Sweetness, bro. That's how you get business done, bro. Legal sweetness, though. You know, we i not trying to get in no trouble, like... Rumor Pepe business, you know, shh, don't say it too loud. So, um <laughs> one player that we do like a lot that's been rumored to be coming to Arsenal as well is Tariq Lamptey, who, you know, former Chelsea player now playing for Brighton, right wing back, you know, uh London born lad of Ghanaian descent, you know. Big up to Madden. I love his game so much. Bro, Electric offers something special down that right side. It would be nice to flip Hector out for 35 million, Lampty in for 20 make 15 on the deal and actually improving the position short-term and long-term, bro, that would be dope for us, bro. So a kid who's played for England under 18, under 19, under 20, under 21 level, and literally only made his debut for the England youth teams like, what, 2017. So in three years, it's a meteoric rise for a 20-year-old kid who, you know, made his debut for Chelsea against Arsenal and, you know, got sold to Brighton and now is on the cusp of maybe joining Arsenal, bro. It's again one of those things, poetic justice. So shout out shout out to the to the scouts out there for looking at players like that who, you know, more often than not some people may not look at because of the links like, oh former Chelsea player. I'm like, it didn't work out for him in Chelsea. He's a London kid. You find some of these man named, like a Tammy Abraham grew up supporting Arsenal. I can't really say it because affiliation in Chelsea until I'm playing for Arsenal and I can tell you like, yo, bro, lifelong over here. So it's like I'd love to see us get a player like that, and especially knowing that the business can be done across the board, taking out a Hector Bellerin to bring him in. It's like, it's addition by subtraction in that sense, But We can maybe reinvest that resource elsewhere in the squad, put that money into Dominic's boss line, knowing we've made a little bit of money off of recouping some of the players who have gone out, maybe, you know. That would be good for us, bro, because I'd like to see us make some good signings, knowing that we're in good form right now, we're in good nick. We're in good nick, pardon me. Let's Let's press on, bro, let's press on, because... I think it's going to be a pivotal change for us, you know, this this year, bro, because Mikel keeping his job was essential for me, for us to kick on. And Mikel keeps his job as a result of this run of games, praise God. Now can we kick on to the point where Mikel is securing his job, where he can start to demand certain things within that football club, that he needs to have the power to demand, the authority and the clout to demand, you know. We're working towards that now. One of those things is transfer-wise, and I think Edu is in charge of that, and Edu hasn't done the best, so I need to sort out the contract situations across the board, signings, sales sales as well, and then we end up having a conversation about Edu as well being secure in his job. You know, Nai I feel, is secure in his job because the ownership group likes him financially across the board. He manages the club well. Then we can talk about this club building forward because uncertainty within within people's job security as it pertains to performances that starts to impede when it relates to the decisions they make. And that's fucking us up, you know, in the past. Where if man them unsecure, like we saw in the EMU man them won't secure. It fucks up our performances. Even towards the end of the Venga Man them won't secure in different positions. It fucks up performances. And performances, if they're not good already, and there's insecurity within upper management, across the board, shit, then they be fucked up. So... We're starting to get more solidity. We're starting to get more continuity in those positions, more continuity and solidity on the field as well. Let's kick on from there and make it do what it do, you know. So this has been When Highbury Was Home, a Loud Booth podcast presentation. (laughs) I am your host, True Story. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Enjoy the game. We're going to holler at you. Let, you know, let us know what the vibes is. Let us know what your predicted lineup for this game is as well, you know. We're praying for an Arsenal win. We're not going to sleep on the fact that it's an FA Cup game, yes, but it's like, doggy, let's win us the FA Cup. So, yeah, you know how it goes. Before we spark up and do the show thing, the win is crazy. There we go, there we go, there we go as we end the show. cover you goodas. Salutations, man. Blessings.